Hello everybody, my name is Caleb Carr and this is New York Sports. New York Sports. Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening to New York Sports. I am Caleb Carr. This week, we're just going to go right into it. We're going to start in the NFL with NFL offseason. We're going to be looking at what our three teams need uh, during the offseason in the draft. Also, in the New York Giants, for the New York Giants, Eli Manning retired earlier this week. We're going to be looking at his career stats and his top three games as a Giant going to the NBA. Both of our teams are struggling a little bit right now, so we're going to be heading down to Brooklyn and Madison Square Garden to see what is just going on there. And the MLB, one of the greatest shortstops ever to play the game and easily the greatest Yankee shortstop in history, Derek Jeter was just announced into the Hall of Fame earlier this week. We'll be talking about that a little bit. Then finally, we're going to be looking in the NHL. We're just going to go over each team's record and their place in the standings currently. All right, guys, starting off in the NFL. Um, the Super Bowl is next weekend. We got the Kansas City Chiefs against the San Francisco 49ers. But for New York fans, although that is important, What's more important right now is looking forward in the next season, looking for what we need. We're going to start off in Buffalo. I think it's kind of obvious what is needed here. The defense looked tremendous this past year. Um, arguably one of the best defenses in the league. Um, has We have one of the best cornerbacks, arguably. Um, other than Stefan Gilmer, there's not really another cornerback that many people that many people would say is better than Trey White. Um, we've got, but other than defense, offense is the only really thing that has been struggling. Offensive line looked good. We're not going out to get another quarterback. We're sticking with Josh Allen. We're, running backs played great this year. Only position that I'm not talking about so far, wide receivers. We need They need to go out, get a wide receiver, and it, they, it can't just be another John Brown, Cole Beasley, Robert Foster, that Zay Jones type of player, if you know what I'm talking about. They need a number one wide receiver. That is their main goal going into this offseason, should be their main goal going into the offseason, their main goal going into the draft. Now, I am not taking anything away from Brown or Beasley. Nothing. Nothing is being taken away from them. I like both of them. John Brown is so quick. He's a deep threat. Obviously, right now, Josh Allen is not a deep threat, but as we get that accuracy down, he's got such a big arm. John Brown needs to say he's going to be great. Beasley, he is our third down guy to me. Like I, He's not really talked about as a third down guy much, but to me, he is that third down guy. When we need those short two, three, four, five yardage, he's the guy to go to. But the problem is, neither of these two Wide receivers are number one wide receivers. So when we're going up against teams like the Patriots, let's just say the Patriots, Stefan Gilmore, he's guarding John Brown. The arguably the best quarterback in the league is guarding John Brown, which isn't even close to the conversation for even top 10 wide receivers in the league. Okay? Top tw- not even top 20. Okay? 
I will give him credit. In the last game that they played, he had a couple nice moves on him. I'm not once again, I'm gonna say it again, I'm not taking anything away from John Brown. But if we can get a more of a number one type wide receiver, we put their best defense, their best cornerback on that number one wide receiver. That gives so many more opportunities to John Brown and Beasley number one, but it also gives Allen a more trusted target. Okay. So for that, it's hard this year because, you know, the past year, Bills fans have been used to top 10, top 15 at least picks. But the Bills had a very great season, went to the playoffs. They are getting the 22nd pick right now. As of right now, they have the 22nd pick in the draft. I say as of right now just in case there's a trade or something. My prediction is that they will go and pick up T. Higgins. He's a wide receiver from Clemson. Um, I don't think when he comes in, he's going to be a number one wide receiver necessarily. But I say, you know, when I say we need a number one wide receiver, I think, okay, you got number one, then you move Beasley and John Brown down one, and then you still have some of these young guys, right? But if we can go pick up a rookie out of the draft, rookie wide receiver like T. Higgins, who had a great year, 59 receptions, over 1,000 yards, and 13 touchdowns last year with Clemson. Great year. Um, was one of Lawrence's, was definitely Lawrence's favorite target. Um, but if we can go in and pick up him, and then that can maybe attract a wide receiver. We're such, it's such a young team um, with Josh Allen. There's so much potential there. I don't see why a, uh, a star receiver wouldn't want to come here. Honestly, um, but if they can go and they can pick him up, then I think that is going to help them with their quest for a number one wide receiver. Uh, moving on to the Jets, um, just as the Bills, the Jets defense, it wasn't talked about that much, but it was it, it is, it's the stronger part of this team. The Jets defense is definitely the strong part of this team. Um, if they keep Le'Veon Bell, uh, he he was rough this year, but I feel like they need to keep him. Just keep pushing him, you know. He had a year off. It's Le'Veon Bell we're talking about, all right. And he, but he was behind a great Steelers offensive line, which is why the Jets' main focus going into the offseason needs to get a better offensive line for Darnold. He needs a okay for Darnold and for Bell. Both. It's gonna help Darnold a lot. Last year he was just a reason for all of his interceptions and why he seemed to not have that great of a sophomore year is because he was getting nonstop sacked and hit and pressured. Even if he wasn't here to sacked, there was a guy right in his face. He hardly had enough time to throw the ball. Um so offensive line for for Donald, of course, but then also for Bell, that's going to give him so many more running lanes. It's going to give him more opportunities, and he's gonna he's gonna be able to punch in so many more yards for them going in next season. So the Jets, of course, they didn't have the worst year. They didn't have that great of a year either. There, uh, but their pick, they got the draft pick number eleven as of right now. Uh, my prediction is they're going to take an offensive lineman for uh, from Iowa, Tristan Tristan Wow Tristan Wirfs. Uh, I believe that's how you pronounce his last name. This dude is incredibly powerful. 
he will put guys on their back and then he'll go block another guy. Um, defensive lineman can't go up against this, had a hard time going up against this kid, much less um, linemen themselves, just or rushers or anybody. It, he's an incredible, um, incredible quarterback protector. And I believe that getting him is going to greatly help Darnold and Bell. On to the Giants. They uh, they had a good year. I mean, of course, Giants fans are probably like, what the heck are you talking about? We had a terrible year. But I think that there's a lot that you could learn from this year. But... The main thing that I see is you don't really need to do too much on offense. Um, you got a couple good young wide receivers. Your offensive line's looking decent. Uh, you're, you got a young running back, although he didn't play too much last year. He was hurt. And you got Daniel Jones, who is looking great right now and I think is going to have a tremendous sophomore year. What they need is a pass rusher and secondary. Uh, over the past two seasons, they've drafted four cornerbacks, and they have all failed to produce a six uh, a sixty percent coverage grade. So they definitely need to get a secondary at some point. But I think the first uh, the first priority is going to be a pass rusher. Obviously, they're not going to be get an edge rusher uh, in Chase Young. He's going to be out probably by Washington in the second pick, most likely. But I think that they will be able to get um, another very great option. And Isaiah Simpsons, a linebacker from Clemson, he played great last year, had 104 tackles, uh, seven sacks, and three interceptions. I think adding him to this defense, um, he's just going to, I think he is going to come into the NFL and he's just going to tear up uh, teams and quarterbacks and just cause a lot of. Um, a lot of a lot of havoc for them. So those are my uh, draft predictions and what every team needs. Um, moving on in the NFL, Eli Manning retired. Not too surprising. Uh, a lot of people, we most people saw this going into the off season. You know, New York Giants, a young, they got a young quarterback um, who's been playing most of the year. Eli sat the bench for most of the year. And, you know, he's spent basically his whole NFL career in New York. And he made it very clear that he did not want to leave. His family did not want to leave. Him himself did not want to leave. And even if he does leave, honestly, where is he going to go? He's been declining the past couple of years. Although he, I believe he's still a good quarterback, he's been declining from his prime. Definitely not his prime anymore. There's not really... And he's old, too. There's not really any place that's going to take him and put him in the role as starting quarterback. So he retired earlier this week, um, but not before having a tremendous career. Uh, So some of his career stats, he had 57,023 yards, 366 total touchdowns. He appeared in four Pro Bowls. He was the 2016 Walter Payton Man of the Year. He went to two Super Bowls, won two Super Bowls, and has two Super Bowl MVPs, 2007 and 2011, uh, both of them against the Patriots. So, you know, amazing career. Uh, 
I don't think he said in a he said in a couple interviews that he hopes that he um, well represented uh, Giants the Giants organization. I hope he hopes that he lived up to fans' expectations, and I believe that he did all of those things. And I think that he is just now passing the torch onto a very talented young quarterback in Daniel Jones. But through Eli's career, he has had some pretty tremendous games. And I'd like to take a moment to look back at his top three games. Coming in at the third spot, we've got Super Bowl 42, 2007, his first Super Bowl. He beat the Patriots 17-14, to and he won the MVP in that game, too. And uh, some of you guys may remember this one from 2007. This was the uh, this was the game with the uh, the famous helmet catch. Eli break broke the sack, broke some sacks, threw it deep to David Tyrese, and he caught it with his helmet. That was uh, that was the game that that famous play came from, and that that game and that play just shows Eli's ability and his talent. He um. He has so many plays. When you when I was looking back and I was trying to find some good plays of his, and what is what I believe his top games were, I just kept finding so many that were of him breaking tackles, sacks, and just throwing deep passes, just throwing it up there, and they were complete almost every single time. His uh, coming at number two, his 2011 NFC Championship game, the game right before his 2011 Super Bowl. Obviously, he won this one to go on to the uh, go on to the Super Bowl. But this was um, this was a game, and this was a season in general where, as I said before, the um, offensive line was just not playing that great and had some a lot of troubles during this season. But like I said, Manning was a powerhouse in his prime, and. The more he got knocked down, the better he seemed to be playing in this game. He uh, he got sacked six times and got knocked down about 15, but he just kept fighting and he kept throwing it deep, and he had a tremendous game with a 2017 win over San Francisco. Finally, uh, which what I believe is his best game of his career, Super Bowl 46, uh, once again against the Patriots. He... During this game, you look back at this game, and it was obvious that this was the best season of his entire career. He dominated the whole season. I don't think, I can't remember quite if he won MVP this year. I'd have to look at, look up um, that. But he had an amazing career. Um, up, I'm sorry, uh, Super Bowl 46, he defeated the Patriots. Um, 21-17, and uh, so two Patriots, two Patriot victories, and I'm sorry, two Patriot victories in the Super Bowl, and earlier this week when he retired, Tom Brady came out and tweeted about, uh, you know, congratulating him on his retirement, hoping him um, a good retirement all, and then adding, of course, at the end, only something Tom Brady can say. I still wish you hadn't won those two Super Bowls. All right, well, that's it from the NFL and on to the NBA.
on to the NBA. We're going to start off in Brooklyn. Um, things are not going so great right now. They're two of eight, two and eight in their last ten games. Still sitting at eighth in the East. You know, there's still plenty of time left in the season, though, and I don't see any other teams really coming up to take that eighth spot. I think even if they stay where they are right now with how they've been playing, they'll still take that eighth spot. Um, you know, there's not really Detroit's not playing that great. Chicago, Detroit, Chicago, Washington are the three teams down from them. None of those teams really doing that great. I don't think the East is um, as the stretch comes, as the final stretch approaches and the playoffs are coming, I don't think there's going to be a really big playoff race um, in the West. However, I think there might be. There are a lot of teams right now that, you know, the first six or seven, you know, you got the Lakers, Utah, Clippers, Denver, Dallas, Houston, and Oklahoma City. All looking very good right now. But then after that, you got San Antonio, Memphis, and Portland all fighting for that last spot. So I think going down the road in the east is in the west is going to be interesting. But the east, I don't think there's anything um, that's going to be really happening there. Saying that, though, I don't think any Brooklyn fans really want an eighth seed, although it is a playoff spot. You never really want that final seed. You don't definitely don't want to have to go against Milwaukee first round. And there is a very good chance that they could bump up and kick Orlando down to that eighth seed. There are only three games, two, three games behind them. So there's a very good chance of that happening. And how that's going to happen is for Kyrie to keep playing how he is and for their defense to start stepping up a, a little bit. Um, and they just need to, other than that, they just need to really start playing together. I feel like they took a, they took a bad beating by Los Angeles um, not too long ago. And they, as I said, they're two and eight of their last 10. But looking at their last 10, they've been playing some tough teams. You know, they're their last, I'm going to read you off their last 10. They got the Lakers, they lost. Philadelphia lost. Milwaukee, a loss. Philadelphia again, a loss. Utah lost. They beat Atlanta. They beat Miami. They lost to Oklahoma. City. They lost to Orlando. They lost to Toronto. Lost to Dallas. Lost to Minnesota. Lost to Houston. Lost to New York. And I'm pretty sure that's more than 10. I just read off, but still. That's pretty bad. So really, you look at it. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 8, 9, 10. It's worse than it looks. They're, they've lost two. They've only won two of their last 14 games. But with that in mind, looking forward, their schedule isn't that bad. I think I think the next eight games are all very winnable. You got Detroit, New York, Detroit again, Chicago, Washington, Phoenix, Golden State, and Toronto. You know, then you kind of get hard again with Indiana and Toronto, Philadelphia. Orlando's in there, but really looking forward, they don't really, that was a rough stretch that they just went through. And I don't think 
that fans can get too low on this. It, like I said, really rough stretch. Played against some really tough teams. Um, some of the games were close. You know, they only lost. They lost Oklahoma City in overtime. And you, know, you look at they beat Miami, which is a good team. Um, none of the other games were really that close. They only lost to Philadelphia by six. Uh, they kind of they got dominated by Milwaukee, dominated by LA. Uh, Utah dominated them, but the it looks. I think it's better than it is. But if you take it from the coach's point of view, which I think we should, because the coach knows more than us, obviously. Um, Kenny Aniston stated, uh, said to New York Post just the other day, he uh, quotes, we are not an elite team. I can tell you that. We obviously went through a tough stretch and we're surviving right now. Closed quote, like just like I said, a uh, terrible stretch that they went through. Terrible group of games against some really hard teams. Just that whole, every team's got it. That hole in their schedule where it's like, these are the hard teams that, we, that we're going to have to play. And we just have to do the best we can to, like he said, survive. And they are. And I think they're going to come out within these next, <clears throat> these next five to eight games. And I think they're going to play hopefully a lot better. And like I said before, Kyrie has been playing just excellent lately. So he is really helping them out right now. On to the Knicks. Not much new there. They're currently 13th in the East. I don't see any playoffs happening for them. Definitely not. Um, as for them, they are also 2-8 in their last 10. Um, if I can get their schedule up here. There we go. Two of eight in the last ten. You know, just like the Nets, though they've been playing some tough teams. They had Toronto, Lakers, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, Miami, Phoenix. Um, they beat. They also beat Miami, which Miami's been kind of slowing down a little bit lately. Not playing their best basketball. They're just not as consistent. But you know, they played the uh, earlier in the month. They played the Lakers, Clippers, and Phoenix and Portland all in the same week. So that. You know, they have a tough schedule, but, you know, when you look at the team that's as bad as they are right now, anybody on your schedule is going to be tough. Um, did I say 13th in the East? I might have said 13th. I think it's 14th. Yeah, it's 14th in the East. 14th in the East right now. Right now they're 12 and 34 overall. So they've uh, their losses almost triple their wins, which... Is not that great, but you know, as I've been saying, it's a young team that doesn't really have a breakout star player. Um, Julius Randle's been playing pretty good. Um, you know, Barrett, of course, young player, he's been playing all right, but right now, they're really their star player is Marcus Morris. And if you go up to any team, any team in the NBA, and you say, hey, Listen, we're going to give you Marcus Morris for your best player. Nobody's going to take it. There's not a team in the league that will say, yeah, I'm going to give you Donovan Mitchell for Marcus Morris. No. Give you John Moran for Marcus Morris. Nope. LeBron James, not even close. No team is going to give you their star player for Marcus Morris, which just shows you that he's not a high quality 
star-like player. I think he's a great, I, I think he's a good player, and I think he can definitely make uh, the starting roster of most of the teams in the NBA, but I don't think he should be the star player. That is it from the NBA right now, and we're going to move on to the MLB. Just earlier this week, Derek Jeter was entered into the Hall of Fame. I mean, we all knew it was coming. Everybody knew it was on its way. He was an amazing shortstop for the Yankees alone, much less in the whole MLB, in the MLB history, really. One of the greatest shortstops that has ever played the game. And not only are is he going to the NBA, not NBA, ML, is he going to the MLB Hall of Fame, but of course his jersey number is getting retired. And what? What everyone seemed to be talking about, and really still seems to be talking about, though, is the fact that he fell uh, just one selection, one vote short of an anonymous selection, which would have uh, would have made him only the second player to do that, uh, with alongside another Yankee, Marino Riviera. But if I don't I don't really see why it matters. You know? He I, I know he doesn't care. I'm gonna play a clip for you guys in just a minute of what he said in the press conference, but I don't see why it matters that much that one guy didn't vote for him. You know? So there's there's obviously gonna be people who don't think that now I'm not saying that he doesn't that whoever didn't vote for him doesn't think he deserves it because he obviously does and if you don't think he deserves it then do you really even watch baseball but there were other there were a lot of other people on the ballot who are coming in their final years on the ballot you know they're on year eight some of them on year nine you know they only got one or two more years left on this ballot. And I can see his point of view that, you know, I'm going to vote for this guy because I think that he deserves to be on the Hall of Fame, in the Hall of Fame, and he's only got, you know, two more years left. That's it. And he knows that Derek Jeter isn't even going to make it to, if he wasn't, if he somehow didn't get in this year, he wasn't even going to make it. He was definitely going to make it next year. He was not going to make it to three, four years on the ballot. No way possible. So I, I guess I can see his point of view. But at the same time, you'd think that he would know that everybody else is going to vote for Jeter. And that he would just vote for him. But everyone's making a big deal out of it. And Jeter himself does not care in the slightest. What would you most like to ask or say to the one writer who didn't vote for you? See, that's where our minds are a little bit different. I focus on the ones that did. I mean, it takes a, it takes a lot of people to all agree to get you to this point. So I'm not thinking about that. I'm, I'm happy that I'm sitting up here on the stage right now, and, and uh, you know, that's something that's across my mind. 
just as I was saying, who cares? You know, he's where he is. And as he said, it takes a lot of people. And he got all of them except one that said that he deserves to be there. And, you know, for first year on the ballot, you know, Jeter's just being the guy that he is and the man that he is. I'm not surprised that he doesn't care. Um, and I think other people shouldn't care because it doesn't matter. Who Like, there's just one guy, one guy in the whole room that said, no, he doesn't deserve to be there. That's the great thing about the United States. Well, you you said that you don't think he should. Well, 136 others said that he is. So guess what? He's there. And, you know, congratulations to him. Uh, we, I mean, we all knew it was coming. But anyways, uh, on to the NHL next. Alrighty. So just a real quick close off. Um, you know, as you guys know, I'm not a big hockey guy. Not a big hockey fan, but I do know that there, um, you know, there's three teams in New York, and there are some fans. So I just want to real quick go over each team's um, record and place in the uh, place in the standings and wild card and all that stuff right now. So first off, start with the New York Islanders. They're doing pretty good so far. They're sitting at 29, 15, and five. Right now, they are third in the Metropolitan Eastern. So they currently, you know, if the playoffs were today, they'd be one of the three teams going. Well, one of the eight teams, sorry. One of the eight teams going. So they, I mean, just like last year, they're playing very good. Nothing really new there. On to the Sabres. The Sabres are at 22, 20, and 7. As of right now, they're fifth in the wild card, so they wouldn't, you know, if the playoffs started tomorrow, they would not be there. But they're only, they're only, not even, no, they're only like five games behind that spot. So definitely, uh, you know, plenty of season left to go over, they're not even close to halfway through the season yet. So definitely enough time to turn the season around. As for the Rangers, it's going to be a little more tough. They're seventh in the wild card. They're sitting at 23, 21, and four. Um, they've only, they played one less game than Buffalo, but that doesn't really matter too much. But they're, as I said, they're seventh. So if they're going to jump five spots and get up to that wild card, it's not only are they going to need to greatly turn their year round. They are going to need some help from Columbus, Carolina, Philadelphia, Toronto, Buffalo, Montreal, all the teams that are ahead of them. Um, so that is it for me for the NHL. And that is it for me for today's episode of New York sports. Thank you very much for listening. This has been Caleb Carr. Have a great week, everybody.
Judge. Lifted in the air again. Deep right center. 